0: And as you are been seated, ask your neighbor if they're barbecuing tomorrow. And if they say yes, ask them if you and the pastor can come over. Hey, it's great to see you today. I am super excited. We're going to start a new series today. It's going to be for the whole summer, this series. And it's called Faith Endures and Faith Receives. And it'll be a verse-by-verse study of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. But before I do, I want to talk about something that's going on in our culture right now uh, that's increasing in its intensity uh, that troubles me deeply. Uh, It is the push that's trying to groom children towards sexual immorality. It is the push that's trying to tell little boys, big boys, that you can be a girl. Or to try to tell girls created by God that you can be a boy all in search of this elusive happiness. You know, there was a, it's called transgenderism. Uh, We used to call it being a transsexual. And that's really a better word, I think, because it underscores sexual. And that's pretty much what the dynamic is about. It's sexualizing children at a younger and younger age. And uh, there was a, you know, not too long ago, it was called gender confusion um the uh, technical term was gender dysphoria but because most people didn't know what that meant they called it gender confusion and as a culture and don't you think about this not too long ago medical professionals and school professionals and others in our culture would try to help people find their happiness and acceptance of their identity the way that God created them but all of a sudden it seems like the world has shifted and not only ignoring the bible but ignoring science because biologically, if you're a male, no matter what they do with hormones and other things, you could never ultimately be a female and vice versa. Now, I really want to encourage you to listen to me if you're, if you're in your teens, 20s, or 30s, because your world is engulfed in this. Uh, it's all over social media. You see celebrities on social media that are being celebrated. Uh, you see it in schools, you see it in stores, it's cool. You're trying to get your experiment with sexual identity. And I would just ask you to, with an open mind, for just a couple minutes, let me talk to you about some things about this. Uh, I wanna give you some facts first, and then I'm gonna tell you what the Bible says. And here's really what the issue is. Am I gonna respond to the Bible as God's word and what God says? Or am I going to follow what everybody else is doing? And uh, so I'll talk to you about what the Bible says. But then I'll talk to you about how, as a Christian, we might respond to this whole movement or people that are caught up in it or, or entrapped in it. Let me give you a few facts first. First, let me show you a picture here. This group is called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And they were invited to a... Uh, now, they're men. Dressed up as Catholic nuns who are women, they're men, uh, uh, and they're, they were, um, their motto, let's see, their motto is, well, I can't. here we go, go forth and send some more. So that's their motto, and the Dodgers baseball team invited them to come in June in celebration of Pride Month. Well, when the public found out about it, they just went nuts, and uh, then so they disinvited them. And then when, they, when the rest of the world found out about it, they went nuts because they were disinvited, so they got reinvited. Now, I, I, I'm just aware that I forgot to do something that I want to do, and then I'm coming back to this. But we have a, a young lady, and she's here from um, the school district in Prescott. And I don't know if you're following that, but that school district is being threatened with a lawsuit simply because they posted on Facebook pictures or testimonies of, of kids that were praying, not being forced to pray, but kids just praying and, you know, talking about the Lord, and they made a Bibles available for kids that wanted them. Again, not forcing them, not in the classroom, but anyway, a group is found out about that and uh, they're being threatened with a lawsuit, and I want to encourage you to pray for them that they stand strong because how many know, listen, our nation was founded on God and prayer. And our nation is better off, come on, when people are following the the morality of the Bible itself. And they're going to be, why don't you stand up there? Uh, She she lives down there. She told me they're having a prayer meeting this Tuesday at 630. 630. Prescott Campus. Yeah, the community. It's going to be a community prayer meeting, so you know if you care about going down there, you might just go and show a little public support there. Lord, we just want to pause just a moment and just pray for not only the school superintendent, whoever the lawyers that are involved, and all the decision makers on the board, that they would have the courage to... They're not breaking the law. They're actually doing what's right in the boundaries of the law, and they're doing what was modeled in America for decades and decades and decades until human and secularism pushed it aside. So we pray that your grace, Lord, would be on them and they would stand strong and this thing would turn out for good in Jesus' name. Come on, give them a big hand. We're very proud of what they're doing. So back to the sisters. So that's out there in Dodger land. Uh, uh, I'm sure you've seen this guy on Bud Light. His name is, well, it's a biological male, but he decided, I think, during COVID that he would be a female and got millions of followers on TikTok, and now he's famous. His name is Dylan uh, Mulvaney. And uh, Dylan, uh, uh, Bud Light, saw they could make some money off Dylan, and they made a big mistake. Uh, their parent company, Anheuser-Busch, has lost $16 billion in <laughs> stock value since they uh, stopped drinking Bud Light. How many have quit drinking Bud Light? Let me see your hand just to... Okay, I'm just checking to see, you know, where where we are today. Uh, if I drink beer, and I don't, uh, but if I drink beer, I drink Miller Lite instead of Bud Light. <laughs> You know, I'm John Miller. Miller just sounds better, but I am not. And okay, this, that's a J O K E. I am not encouraging alcohol or, or drinking beer. My granddaddy died from alcohol, from alcohol abuse. So, anyway, but, but that was what happened to Bud Light, and they're not the only ones. The Target Corporation has lost billions of dollars because they're one of the leading corporations in America that are pushing this agenda. Now, let me show you our own Target store. I like our Target store. It's right down the street. But here's what they're selling. You can go down there today and buy this. Now, their marketing strategy, they've been told because they're in the door like other places would, but, you know, kind of put it back in the store. But you can buy a journal for your child called My Queer Year. Uh, you can buy pride flags and floats and all little toys and things to celebrate. You can buy a book called Twas the Night Before Pride, and everybody's happy there, of course. And here You can buy a, a shirt if you're, a, I guess, a teenager here or young in your 20s. Uh, it's a young girl, and it says, Busy Thinking About Girls. Well, that's our local Target store. Uh, These are just some things that are going on, and it just keeps popping up and up and up, and I felt to say something. I've got some good news. In Texas, uh, recently, Senate Bill 14 was passed that would prohibit children under the age of 18 from assessing transition-related medical treatments. Uh, In other words, no puberty blockers, no drugs, no hormone therapies, no surgeries protecting children. And that's why I'm saying this today. It's not because I hate transsexuals or people that are in this movement. It's because children should be protected and children should be kept from, uh, uh what could turn into something very devastating in their life. They should be, should, they should be protected from it. And Greg Abbott said he's going to sign the bill into law. Now here's what really matters. What does the Bible say? Because here's the deal. The Bible is either true or false. It's either God's Word or it isn't. And we'll make decisions in life based on that very thing. I think there is enough evidence for a, an open-minded person to see that the Bible is indeed truly the Word of God. But God said in Genesis one God created human beings in His image. He created them. God created us as male or female. Our gender and our sex are one. It is saying to God, I don't care about your word. I can choose my gender and try to find happiness. That's what they're searching for is happiness. They're searching for meaning and purpose. I totally understand that. But there's a God-shaped hole that's trying to be filled with something that's, that's not good. Jesus said this, uh, affirming this about marriage. In Mark ten seven. Jesus said, A man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife. A biological man, a biological woman, form a family, and through intercourse, they're able to produce children. That's God's way, it's God's pattern, it's God's design. And there's a warning in Mark 9:42 42 that Jesus gave. Now, in its context, probably it's broadly interpreted as young, immature believers, but it particularly includes children. And I wish I could talk to the CEO of Anheuser-Busch and the CEO of Target and the Dodgers and, and many, many other people. Because listen to what Jesus said in Mark 9:42: if one of these little children believes in me and someone causes that child to sin, See, this is the danger is it's pulling you away from God's plan. And let me know the further you get away from God's plan, the more appealing sin becomes and the trap that it falls into. But if you call one of these children who believes in me to sin, it would be better for that person to have a large stone tied around his neck and drowned in the sea. Now, that doesn't sound very good, somebody putting a big rock and, and you drowning like that. Well, Jesus said something's worse on the other side in terms of judgment if you cause one of these little children to sin. Um, it, it, this, if you, it's a warning for people that are involved in sexual grooming. It is a process that predators use to make it easier for a child to become a victim. I got a letter last night from a young lady and just told me about how she had been a victim of sexual abuse, about she had been abandoned by her father and, 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 and the rape that had surrounded the world in which she had lived in and how this sexual uh, perversion uh, was so destructive in her life. And it's, it's touched me deeply. Um, but there's another scripture, too. It's Ephesians 6, verse 12. And I believe the people that are pushing this, whether knowingly or probably unknowingly, they don't realize that this is a demonic thing that's moving them. You say, where do you get that, Pastor? Ephesians six twelve. it says, Our fight is not against people on earth, but against the spiritual powers of evil in the world. And I want to suggest to you there is something demonic that's about this that perverts people away from the plan that God intended. We dedicated a little baby this morning, and I don't know that you could that you could stand up again, the three of you. I don't know that you could find, turn around and let everybody see you again. I don't know that you could find a more beautiful picture of happiness and God's intent for a child, for a woman, for a man. That's God's design and it's God's plan. And what they're saying is we want to raise our kid God's way. Now, how do we respond If you say to me, okay, you know, it's everywhere, so what do I do? Let me give you some some, some suggestions here. Number one, if you are here today or watching online or know someone who's struggling with gender identity, and they are indeed in this state of gender confusion, they are welcome. You are welcome at Church on the Rock. We will love you just as you are and help you become the person God created you to be. You are not a second-class person. Everyone in this room today is a sinner saved by the grace of God. Every one of us. were are headed in the wrong direction. And God turned us around. And we live, we live in a different way. We're living God's way. So number one, it's very important that we love people. Come on now. That are outside the bonds of the Bible. Because all of us are guilty of sin. We don't want to have any bigotry or anything like that. Second thing, if you're a victim. If you have been caught up in this, if you have been personally abused, or if you have experimented with the gay lifestyle and and found that it was not what it was promised to be, we can help you. We have a class called Freedom that talks. It's about inner healing. We have a ministry in the church called Sozo, which is the Greek word for complete healing. That can that can, through a process with the Holy Spirit, help you find healing. We have a group on Friday night called Celebrate Recovery that helps people that have been bound by addictions and problems and struggles in life find freedom in Christ. So that's the second thing: is that is that we want to help you. Uh, the, uh, I'm sorry. The first thing, the second thing is, is that God has given adults the right to choose. If you are an adult, what you choose to do is your business, not my bi- not my place to judge you. But I want to tell you, there will be consequences. But here's what I'm going to say, number two: God, I believe, has called us to protect children. Yes. And you say, well, how do I do that, Pastor? Well, first of all, you teach your children, come on, the biblical way that we're supposed to walk. You teach them the right way to walk, and you help them on their own level understand what's going on in the world. Now, let me say this for the third thing. If you happen to work for the Dodgers, now I doubt you work for the Dodgers living in Texarkana, but you may work for Target. If you work for Target, let me say, I understand that this is a corporate more than likely not your decision and not about you, and we love you and we support you. If you work in any corporation... In Texarkana or anywhere that is pushing this whole agenda of sexualizing children, this is not against you. You pray about where you're supposed to work, and if you believe you're in God's will, I say let your light shine and thank God for a job and a paycheck. Um, uh, because listen, I like our target store in town and it bothers me to say this. Every time I go in, it seems like I can get in there quick. I can get out. The people are friendly. I find what I'm looking for. Uh, but it bothers me to say, to say this, uh, it bothers me that they're selling what they're, what they're selling. So, uh, the last thing I want to say is that I believe we need to take an action step. Yeah. Um, what, what do you mean by that pastor? I mean, you and I need to decide where we're going to spend our money. We're, we're, because money, it's just a message we're trying to send, come on now, to Bud Light, to to Target, whoever it may be, to the Dodgers. If the Dodgers were my, my team, i tell you what I would do. I can't go to many games in Texarkana, but I would cancel it on ESPN or wherever it's coming in my home. And I would not only cancel it, but I would call and tell them why. Because, listen, if we don't stand up, we will continue to lose a generation of children to something That is diabolical at its very root So like Forrest Gump That's all I have to say about that Uh, Everybody take a deep breath (sighs) On to the Bible A different part of the Bible Uh, A new series Faith endures and faith receives We're in Hebrews chapter 11 If you've got your Bible look at verse 6 That makes a very strong statement It says and I want you to say this with me It is Impossible to please God without faith. In other words, if I want God to be happy with me, if I want to go to heaven, if I want my Father to smile on me, I need this thing the Bible is calling faith operating in my life. Anyone who wants to come to God, number one, must believe that God exists. Which, again, secularism, humanism has taught us that there is no God the creator. We as mankind are are God in, in, in itself, so to speak. But listen, there is not true. God is the creator. We believe he exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So that is when I believe there's a blessing that will follow in my life. Now, every time I either give a message, I don't care if it's short or long, or a series, I always pray, and I have what's called a purpose. And you can read all this. I've got notes, they're on the app. You can see them, you can download them. I've got a bibliography that includes all the things that I say. But, 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 uh, I have a purpose statement. If you had a speech class, it was called a thesis. But I want to know what I believe God wants to say in the course of the week or in the course of the series. And this one on faith is a little more complex. You might say, well, it's easy, preacher. Just believe God. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. How many have prayed real hard and believed God and that prayer wasn't answered? Uh, every modest Christian in the room. How do I understand that? When Jesus said, any, uh, "If anything you desire when you pray, uh, believe you receive, you have what you ask." That's what he told the disciples. How do I, you know, how do I connect those the disparity there? And how do I understand faith and keep going? That's why I say it's a bit complex. But my uh, this th- th- my 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 purpose statement is that I want to provoke you to have faith in God that is aligned with His will. So we can obediently endure difficulty, and receive what He promises in His timing. Now I'm going to go over that slowly because because I, I'm going to try to make this complex a little simpler. Uh, this first statement I want to provoke you to have faith in God. Now how many know we have faith in a lot of things? How, how many have faith in elevators? You, I, I don't know. I, I, it's been a long time, but there used to be a restaurant on the t- in downtown Dallas, the top of this, I don't know, 75, 80 stories in the air. And this restaurant would turn around and I'd say, Jesus, don't let an earthquake come. But you step on that elevator and you have faith. Amen. You hit that button and you're glad to get off of it. Uh, how about not only an elevator, but uh, how about the uh, USDA that watches over our food supply? When I say my prayer today over lunch, I'm not going to say, Lord, please don't let there any be dangerous bacteria or anything like that. FDA pretty much takes care of that, and I have faith in that. Uh, I have faith if my doctor gives me some medicine for a disease. I'm, I believe that that medicine is going to help me. But now listen, when I say have faith in God, I have more faith in God than I do in the elevator and the elevator engineer. I have more faith in God to protect me than I do than that mechanism that's supposed to freeze in case the power goes out. I have more faith in God than I do the FDA. I have more faith in God as my great physician that will use the medicine that the doctor gives me. But my faith is in God as the great physician. So this is very important that we all have faith, but it's ultimately in God. Now, I'm I'm adding to this as I go. I want to provoke you to have faith in God that's aligned with his will. Now, how many know we can ask in faith and ask for God to do something and not get the answer we wanted and be very frustrated with God? If I had gotten what I wanted, Linnell, put your fingers in your ears just a minute. I would have married, please. I would have married the wrong woman. Because I found this gal when I was in... um, the Navy. And I thought she was going to be Miss Miller. And, uh, I was, I, the love bug had stricken me and bad. And, and, and I'm, I left Adak, Alaska where she was. And she never wrote me again. She never called me again. She took all my presents that I sent her. And I never heard back from her. And I heard later that she married one of my friends <laughs> and I was mad at God for two weeks. And the way I showed him is I didn't go to church. But I'm telling you a true story. But sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers. I don't care how much faith you have because he knows that there's a better plan. Come on now. He knows that there's good, better, and best, and I got the best. Um, So 1 John 5, 14 says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have the request that we've asked of him. So let's keep going now. This, this purpose statement, I want to provoke you to have faith in God that will help you endure difficulty. I many have been a Christian over 10 years. How many can say I've had some real challenges in those 10 years? It's been hard for me to hang on to my faith sometimes. Sometimes my faith is shaken. Well, Hebrews 10 verse 36, and we'll read this probably starting next week. Because how many know you don't, Hebrews 11 doesn't start with verse 1. It starts with the context of what he just said. And what he just said was this. Patient endurance is what you need now so you will continue to do God's will and then you'll receive what he's promised. Hebrews 11 is going to inspire your faith because we're going to see God do miraculous things in people's lives. But for most of them, there was a time of difficulty that they went to, went through between God's promise and the time that it actually happened. The fourth thing that faith does, and this is the part that excites me the most, is faith in God helps us receive what God promises. Now that's, that's what interests me, the receiving part. Hebrews 11 verse 11 this is this now. It's by faith that Sarah was, Sarah, Sarah was able to have a child. You say, well, what's the big deal? I mean, you know, there's, we dedicated a baby today. Thousands of babies are born in America every day. I mean, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. The Bible says that Sarah was barren. She could not have children, and she was now too old. How many ladies would like to have a baby at 90 years of age? Could I see your hand, please? My wife, she, I mean, 80? Who'd like to have a baby at 70? 60, 50, 40 maybe. Why am I asking that question? This woman couldn't have a child and it was impossible. And faith helped her receive a miracle from God. We're going to learn about that. And then lastly, provoke people to have faith in God. Listen now, that receives what he promises, but it's in his timing. You know Joseph had a dream when he was seventeen in, in in the book of Genesis that he would be a world leader, but it wasn't until he was thirty that it actually happened. And he had to, he ended up in a in a tough place. He was in a pit. He was in a jail cell. He'd only done right, but one day after thirteen years, God promoted him to be the world leader that would literally save the world and the Jewish people from a, a famine. But timing is key in the whole process, and oftentimes we give up our faith. Before the time is right. So this is what we're going to be talking about. But I thought in this kind of preamble or warm-up to the series today, uh, kind of a preface, let's begin with what is faith? This idea that you're talking about, Pastor. Well, faith is very simple. It's from the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, and it's simply part of a word group. It means to believe and have confidence in God. Faith means to believe God and his word are true. Faith is the confidence that we, what we pray for, will happen. We had a prayer team around the altar. Many of us came forward. I went forward for prayer. Because I have a need in my life. I'm praying for someone that I know that has a need. And I went up and I prayed on their behalf. And I'm believing that God heard our prayer. And God is going to answer that prayer. So, so, so faith, we, we, it believes it will happen. But listen, there's another definition. And this is all from Greek lexicons. Faith believes or faith means that we obey God and act on what he says. How many know we're not just supposed to be hearers of the word but what? doers faith without works is dead so in other words it's more than just mental ascent it's an action let me give you a story that I think is a true story I know part of it is anyway Uh, I asked Siri to confirm that and of course Siri knows everything and I asked her if anybody had ever walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope And she gave me this guy's name, and as the story unfolded, this guy, Niagara Falls, if you've ever seen a picture or been there, it's these huge waterfalls. If you fell off the top, I mean, it's certain death. So they string a rope across this thing, get it extra tight. This guy literally gets on this rope. He has a stick with him and he walks across Niagara Falls. And it was kind of a marketing thing. The world went crazy, TV, radio, everybody is shouting. And he, 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 the crowd, he silences them and said, well, how many really believed I could do that? And everybody, of course, said, sure we did. He says, how many believe I could do it again? And they all raised their hand. And then he looked at one of the people that raised their hand and said, get on my shoulders then. Well, how many know faith became unfaith <laughs> real quickly? You see, she believed, but she didn't really believe because she wasn't willing to act on what her belief was. So that's kind of the technical definition. Hebrews 11:1, the Bible defines faith for us. It says faith, fa- faith is the... Now Siri's talking to me. Oh, gosh. She's saying, who do you want to message? Working on that. What? what? Siri, what? Jesus, I want to send Jesus a message. I'm having trouble with the connection. Please try again later. Okay, Siri doesn't know Jesus. Okay, listen, honey, it's, it could get you. It could get you. Okay. <laughs> Hebrews 11.1. One, now faith is the assurance of things we hope for, the conviction or evidence. Of things we don't see. In other words, in a court of law, you provide evidence to prove or disprove the crime. Well, faith has that sense of solidarity to it it's the conviction, it's evidence, it's being sure of what we hope for. Uh, years ago when we bought this building, Gander Mountain that we're in, can I tell you, we had to have a lot of faith. We had to hear God because it was four and a half million dollars with no, re, you know, uh, and it had to be all remodeled and we needed to buy some more land and we didn't have that much money. Uh, COVID was coming and we couldn't even meet, but we felt the Holy Spirit tell us to go ahead and do it. And I want to tell you today, we're about to go under a million dollars in debt and we're going to pay it off soon. That would have never happened unless we acted on our faith. See, faith acts. Um, so the word faith is mentioned 243 times in the New Testament. It is what theologians would, would call a central theological concept. I would say the, the word and idea and, and, and place of faith is one of the most important words in the Bible and Christianity. Now, I want to close today. I want to give you four applications of what faith is. You could just write faith is and fill in the blank. I'm going to give you four things. Here's the first and most important. Faith is believing the good news about Jesus Christ and becoming his follower. So what is the good news about Christ? It is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried in the ground for three days, and that he rose from the dead to live forever forever. And if we would believe him and follow him, we would have eternal life. Now, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says you're saved by grace, which is God's kindness. You're saved by grace through faith. You're saved by believing the good news, not by any good work that you could ever do. So faith, faith, through faith, we receive forgiveness and eternal life, which, by the way, if you're uncertain about your eternal soul, we'll pray for you at the end of our service today and help you make that step to Christ. Here's the second thing. Faith not only starts our walk with God, but we live by faith daily. Let me say it again. Faith is the way we walk with God every day of our life. Let me give you an example. For example, Hebrews 11 verse 8. There was a man named Abraham. And he had no clue about what his future was going to be, but one day God spoke to him and told him to do something. Hebrews 11, verse 8: It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went there not knowing where he was going. Now, think about this just a minute. I don't know how God spoke to Abraham. It could have been through a dream. Uh, it, it could have been through, and probably like the voice of the Holy Spirit, that, that impression. Uh, Moses, God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. We don't know. But somehow, God revealed his will to Abraham was he was supposed to go to what would one day be the Jewish homeland. And Abraham, by faith, believed God and he went there. So the rest the 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 rest of his life was lived walking by faith waiting for God to give him a child that would one day not only populate the Jewish people, but would also give us the Savior of the world and the example of salvation by faith. So faith is the way we live. We get up in the morning. Listen, by faith, we expect that God's going to protect us, provide for us, use us. We believe that our life is in God's hands. We give him our life each day. Faith is a confidence in God, see, that we live by every day of our lives. If You've got kids and, you know, everybody's ready for summer. But if you took your kids to school or maybe when they left your house, what's the last thing you do? You pray for them that God would bless them and protect them that day and use them. What are you doing? That's your faith being lived out on a daily basis. Faith is not just a Sunday thing. Faith is what we do every day. Somebody say praise the Lord. Now, uh, here's here's the third one. And, and I particularly want you, if you're a skeptic about the claims of the Christianity in the Bible, I want you to listen to this one because I think this might speak to you. Faith is a spiritual force that opens the door to miracles and unlimited possibilities. You say, well, okay, preacher, I'm listening. Hebrews 1130, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. Now that was in our Bible reading God today. If you don't have our church app, download it. Search Church on the Rock Texarkana. We got a Bible guide. This is actually the passage we read, I read this morning before I came to church. These walls, archaeologists have told us, were not just like the walls of your house. They, ch- uh, several chariots could ride alongside each other on these walls. That wall could have been from here at the podium to the edge of the stage so it was this huge wall protecting it the inhabitants from the israelites and god was going to give it to them well the coolest thing is if you would go to christiananswers.net they have uh, revealed the archaeological research there's been a number of different studies of that of the site they have found jericho and the most interesting thing happened they found that three of the walls crumbled just like the bible said but do you remember a gal named Rahab? And here's where I want the skeptic to listen. You remember Rahab the harlot? She was a prostitute, but yet when the, when the, when the, when the, the spies came into town, somehow they met her, they hid at her house. She lied about it because she was going to be a believer in God. And here's what they said, we'll make a deal with you. If you'll protect us, uh, uh, the spies said, we'll protect your family when God destroys Jericho. What you have to do, though, is hang outside the window. Now, listen, the window wall, because houses were built into the wall, hang outside the window, a scarlet rope, and we'll protect you. Well, guess what the archaeologists found about Jericho? The north wall was still standing. I'm telling you, friends, the walls collapsed not by sledgehammers or bulldozers, but they obeyed God with a sh- trumpet call and a shout and a miracle happened. You see, faith opens the door for God to do miracles in life. You think the historical account of David and Goliath, it's not just a story. That happened. How did that little boy kill that, that giant with a rock that was impaled by faith? That boy believed God would do it. How did Noah build an ark? Took her 100 years and he saved his family. Peter walked on the water by faith. A man named Jairus in the New Testament, his little girl was dying. And Jesus said, if you only believe she'll be healed and a miracle happened. So this is what I want us to really, this is to me the most exciting part about Hebrews 11 is it shows us that miracles can happen and that faith has a part to play, play in it. We'll talk more more about this later. But let me give you the, uh, the fourth one is faith is how we endure difficulty. Now, I don't like it. I wish I could tell you that if you're a Christian, everything would be, you'd be happy. You know, a little baby we dedicated has no idea that there are problems in this world. Because all he has to do is whimper and mom and dad is up to change the diaper. Dad, you do change diapers, don't you? Good. <laughs> <laughs> They're talking now. I don't know. I think I made, I think I made, but, 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 but he, he's, he's going to be changing diapers for sure. His, his fair share. He changes diapers. He feeds that baby. That baby's hungry. That baby's wet. That baby's anything. All they have to do is cry and she gets what she wants. But you know what? Jesus said in this world, you're going to have some trouble. But then he said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So how do you sustain your Christian life during the troubles? It's through faith. Now let me read a passage to you that ties these two scriptures together. Receiving faith and enduring faith. Hebrews 11 verse 33. By faith, people received what God promised them. They shut the mouth of lions. Think of Daniel in the lion's den. They quenched the flames of fire. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Think of Paul. So this is all just like, you know, shouting. But then this strange little word there is in verse 35. But. But others were tortured. They refused to turn from God to be set free. They placed their hope. Listen, now, this is probably the crux of the matter. They put their hope in a better life after the resurrection. In other words... They believed that if they would stand for Jesus through the suffering, through the sacrifice, even if they died a martyr's death, that the life that God would give them on the other side would be worth it. What gets you through that? It is faith, friend. Today, missiologists tell us there are between 250 and 300 million Christians around the world that live under persecution, some of which could lose their lives If they professed following Christ, if they're caught with a Bible, they could go to jail. But yet in a free America, I can have a Bible and hold it in my hand and preach from it. But yet Christians around the world don't have that. You say, how do we endure this kind of suffering? It's our faith in God. And let me tell you something else that I think it is. I think it's the Holy Spirit that comes to our aid. We could, we could talk about, that, that, that passage goes further. I mean, there's people that are beaten, they're laughed at, they're in prison. They die by stoning. Now think of the New Testament, Stephen. Remember, he gave this testimony to the Jewish leaders. But the Bible says when he was testifying, his face looked like an angel. It was like it was glowing. And here they're going to throw rocks at him to kill him. Now, I stubbed my toe yesterday I, on something, a step, or I don't remember where it was, but I'm telling you what, it hurt, and I almost cursed Linnell for putting the step there. And, and, no, I'm just teasing. But, but it hurt. Well, what do you think a, a rock feels like, the rock the size of your fist? Or how, how about somebody taking a baseball and throwing that baseball and hit you at 100 miles an hour? And it hits you in the head. Well, this is what's happening to Stephen. Somebody's got a cantaloupe-sized rock, and they're coming up and throwing to him. Well, man, everything within me would make me want to run away. I don't know about you, but you know what Stephen said? He looked up to heaven by faith, and he said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, what do you think that did to him? What am I saying in this? I'm saying if you have to suffer for Christ, if you have to sacrifice, if you have to one day even be a martyr, God, the Holy Spirit, come on now, will give you some kind of grace that you've never known in your life before. And he will help you have strength to endure. Stand strong, friend, because God is with us. And Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be with you, even to the end of the age. So this is what we're going to talk about this summer, and I hope when you're not on vacation, you you come be a part of it with us. Listen, let me kind of conclude this warm-up or preamble, what we said about what faith is and what it does, and I want this to become a part of the foundation of your life. First and most importantly, faith is believing the good news for salvation. Now, I'll talk more about that in a minute. Faith is believing that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to forgive my sins and save my eternal soul. Faith is the way we walk with God daily, number two. Number three, faith opens the door for miracles. And number four, faith helps us endure difficulty because God comes to our aid. Come on, give him a big hand. He's worthy of our praise.